Welcome to Marvelous. I'm your host, Tom Laurie, joined by my sister, Leona Laurie. And tonight we're talking about from 2021. Barely. Directed by directed by John Watts and written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. Spider-Man: No Way Home. <laughs> Would you like to recap the plot of this film, Leona? Okay, so when last we saw Peter Parker and as Spider-Man, his identity had just been revealed by J. Jonah Jameson uh, on his web series, uh, The Alex Jones of This Universe. And what, what happens next is chaos. Um, he has been accused of killing... Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. What's his name? Moratorium? Mysterio. Mysterio. He's He's been accused of killing Mysterio by Mysterio, who really had a knack for deep fakes. And unfortunately, Stark Enterprises has been a little bit loosey-goosey with its tech. And so uh, there's enough evidence of lax safety standards that the idea that Peter Parker could own an army of drones is not so far out that people are rejecting it. And uh, so he goes through a very brief legal drama where um, he and his girlfriend, MJ, and Ned, his guy in the chair, um, they all get arrested or rather taken into custody by the secret police currently functioning to manage superpersons. For whatever reason, it's the Department of Damage Control, the people who previously had been like, ah, oh, we pick up the trash from aliens and whatnot. Yeah. So, I don't no. know, it's kind of, kind of a weird um, expansion of their, their purview. Yeah. So uh, they also pick up Happy, and... Um, Although Peter and MJ and Ned are all released pretty quickly, Happy is told that because of the lax security standards and missing tech, uh, he's still under the gun on behalf of Stark Enterprises. And um, they go off and try to live a normal life, but it's impossible under the scrutiny of everybody knowing. And they do a little uh, timely humor, kind of, you know, grown humor about people being divided about whether or not Spider-Man killed Mysterio or was framed. And so he's got a lot of fans, but suddenly a lot of enemies and it's not Spider-Man's enemies. It's people who know his real name and his real address. And so, um, happy takes him and may in at his, um, bachelor pad condo and they try to make a go of it for a little bit, but, when Ned and MJ and Peter are all rejected by MIT uh, because of the controversy around them, um, Peter decides that the only thing to do is to go to Dr. Strange and ask him for a spell to reverse this event of people finding out his identity. And Dr. Strange, having been demoted uh, away from the... Sorcerer, Sorcerer Supreme, Supreme, because he disappeared in the blip. So now um, Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, he's got a, a chip on his shoulder. He um, is a grouchy pants. And so partly because of his uh, shared history of saving the universe with Peter, and partly because he just wants to stick it to Wong uh, because he's not the boss anymore, Dr. Strange agrees to do a spell to erase the memory of Peter Parker from anybody who knows that he's Spider-Man. And as he's casting this spell, uh, Peter realizes that what that means is that everyone he loves is going to forget. And he really liked having MJ and Aunt May and Ned know who he was and be on his team. So he keeps messing with the spell. And as a result, uh, Everybody in the multiverse who knows Peter Parker's true identity starts showing up. 
and it, it starts with the villains from the previous Spider-Man franchises showing up almost en masse uh, on the highway where the MIT admissions counselor is on her way back to the airport, and Peter has gone to intercept her to beg for another chance for his friends. Uh, instead, he winds up fighting off Doc Ock and the Green Goblin, and I think there's one more who shows up right then, too, isn't there? No, it's just those two. Just those two? Okay. So those two show up first, and he winds up saving her and getting a second chance for him and his friends from IT, but also uh, discovering that there's these new villains in town, and the villains are as confused about him as he is about them. Well, Doctor Strange blips them all into his basement uh, over at the Sanctum Sanctorum and explains what's going on with this rip in the fabric of space and time that they accidentally created and the likelihood that there will be others. Uh, he's contained the spell, so there shouldn't be more coming through, but he doesn't know how many slipped through in the moment that it was open. So he sets the Scooby team of MJ, Ned, and Peter on the task of identifying more likely people who've come over. And so they find the lizard, uh, they find Electro, and they find the Green Goblin, although uh, he reverts to his gentle Norman Osborn form and wanders into Aunt May's food kitchen. Uh, and she convinces Peter that he shouldn't just be returning these people from once they came without trying to help them first. Because it doesn't take long for them to find out that all of the people who have just slipped into Peter's universe were about to die in their own fighting spider-man because you also forgot sandman oh yeah he's just kind of there too yeah sandman is kind of there too so anyway um peter decides that he'll take aunt may's advice and at least try to help them before he sends them back um dr strange does not like this and he tries to trap peter in the mirror dimension uh i almost said universe in the mirror dimension so that uh, he won't mess with his attempt to send these guys back to where they came. But Peter figures out that the mirror dimension is just geometry. And so he figures out how to trap Doctor Strange there with his webs, steals the box that has the plunger that will send everybody back where they came, and goes and releases all of the prisoners from the Sanctum Sanctorum's basement and takes them to uh, Happy's condo, where he uses Stark technology to try to create solutions for them. And the first one that he succeeds in doing is replacing the fried chip in Doc Ock's brain that has allowed his uh, tentacles to take him over and turn him into a bad guy. And Doc Ock is so grateful. And so they've almost got Electro convinced to uh, send all of his energy into the arc reactor. And Sandman is almost convinced to have his molecules put back together but then it turns out that Norman Osborn hasn't been the guy they've been dealing with all the time. The Green Goblin has been in control for some time. And uh, so then the Green Goblin convinces all the bad guys to keep being bad guys. And they escape uh, and decide that they're going to rampage. So um, Peter is fighting all of them in the condo. And he has wisely... Uh, got Ned and MJ out of the way so that they can protect the uh, dimensional gate opening ring that Ned has pilfered from Doctor Strange and can use, um, and the box with the plunger that MJ's in charge of. So they're over at Ned's grandma's house. Ned's house? Does he live with his grandma? He must. I so, think so, yeah. Uh, they're over at Ned's house, and Peter winds up fighting the Green Goblin to the point where uh, almost the whole building caves in, and unfortunately, May suffers fatal wounds. And at first, it seems like she's going to walk out fine, but something is wrong with her, and she collapses. But not before telling Peter that it doesn't matter that this happened, that he did the right thing by trying to help the people, and that with great power comes great responsibility. So Peter, a broken guy, uh, disappears into the night and Ned and MJ are really worried about him. MJ's about to hit the plunger on the box and send all of the bad guys from whence they came 
But Ned has the idea, or they have the idea sort of accidentally that Ned can open portals and say, show us where Peter Parker is. So he does it. And it's Andrew Garfield. And then he comes into grandma's house and they're like, what? And they figure it out. And they're like, okay, let's try this again. And it's Tobey Maguire. And if you're in England, the audience goes, oh, if you're in America, probably they react louder. Um, so uh, anyway, Ned and MJ uh, talk to the Spider-Men that they've conjured into Grandma's house, who both came through the rift and actually were in town. They didn't pull them in from another dimension. Um, and uh, Toby Maguire's like, well, where would he go if he was being all sad and wanted to be alone? And they're like, oh, the roof of our school. So they go to the roof of the school, and there he is, and they comfort him. And he learns that the other Spider-Men have also lost important people to uh, them and that they are able to relate to this experience and give him some comfort and tell him maybe this was not for nothing. And so collectively they all decide we have to try it May's way. So they go and synthesize the cures for all of the bad guys and trick them all into coming to the Statue of Liberty uh, where a retrofit is in progress to a controversial one to put Captain America's shield on on top of the torch that she holds aloft. And so they have a massive showdown there with the three Spider-Men taking on all of the multidimensional villains with the intention of issuing them their cures so they can be sent back to their own worlds with a second chance at an ending that isn't just get killed by Spider-Man or fighting Spider-Man. Um, and, uh, as they are nearing the climax of this fight, Dr. Strange, um, gets out of the mirror dimension and is, the spell is starting to come apart again. And, uh, literally everyone in every dimension who knows anything about Peter Parker and his identity is out right now. So that's like, he's the most famous man in his own world is about to come through and the multiverse is uh, breaking into this scene. So Peter says, just do the spell over, literally make everybody forget who I am. And so uh, Dr. Strange does that spell, which they free, they send everybody back to their own universes. Peter gets to say goodbye to Ned and Mary Jean or MJ and promises that he will come and find them and remind them who he is. And then he, the identity of Spider-Man and the whole, the whole person of Peter Parker is wiped from the memory of everybody everywhere. And so after the dust settles, he goes to find MJ and Ned at the donut shop where MJ works. And they've just received their MIT acceptance letters and they're so happy. And neither of them is stressed out about, events that are bigger than them or in any danger. She still has a bandaid on her forehead from being injured in the battle. And he decides that he will just keep his secret, live a lonely lone wolf kind of life and let them have peace, harmony and MIT without knowing about him. And he goes and gets a dumpy little apartment and starts a new chapter where he's going to get his GED instead of finishing high school with his peers and invest in being Spider-Man, living only one life instead of two. Uh, and then in the post-credits, we see that Venom, or rather Tom Hardy and Venom, uh, have been at a bar in Mexico during this entire interdimensional rift, um, getting hammered. And when the spell is ended and they're sent back to their own universe, a little piece of venom is left behind in this Spider-Man's universe. And then the very end is essentially a long form trailer for Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness, showing him seeking help from Wanda for the multiverse. And, um, I'm sure you can just see that online. So I'm not going to go into any detail. The end. Mm. We saw it same day, same time. Um, like, literally, I didn't realize yeah, that because we were texting on our way out of the theater. Yeah, because uh, I was trying to get tickets for opening night, but it was 
the theater we go to is a very big one. The one of the uh, what do they call it? like RPX or something like that. You know, not quite IMAX, but big big screen. Um, and uh, it was fucking almost sold out. Like front couple rows and a, a few scattered seats on the edges only. And uh, no thanks, not 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 in the mood for that at the moment. So instead, I saw it the next day at noon where there was, like, less than 20 other people, and that felt uh, very comfortable, even though um, the crowd reaction was probably uh, very British in that, you know, not enough people for the hooting and hollering as as um, the other Spider-Mans showed up. And uh, and when, when we texted, uh, you said you loved it, and uh, I enjoyed it as well, but uh, what'd you think? I think, you know, throughout the whole thing, MJ is saying, expect disappointment and you'll never be disappointed. Right. And I think somebody said that is the approach we have to take with marketing this it's thing. A, it's a very uh, ironic mantra to have for, for you know, how, how I think uh, certainly I, but I think, you know, a lot of people were a little apprehensive about this one, about how obvious the turn was. Like, yes, of course, they're going to have all the other Spider-Mans in this, but uh, also the sort of curse of spider-man 3 uh that the first spider-man 3 is considered the the weakest of the raimi trilogy and that um the other two weren't good enough to get a spider-man 3 and now this after you know uh far from home wasn't i think this one makes far from home better in retrospect in the in the sense that like this is like aware of seems aware of the issue issues with that one that it wasn't Mm. just you know that trying to turn Spider-Man into Tony Stark wasn't just uh, their goal, but like part of a, a greater arc, mm. which is uh, something I've wanted and something that a lot of the other characters lack of it, like, you know, sort of a compartmentalized growth in each movie. Mm. But I, I was sincere, though. I, I think that that's how part of what they did to minimize leaks was to be a bit misleading in the marketing campaign we, we felt like, oh, man, are they going to, like, simultaneously open the multiverse? Like, how many different paths to the multiverse right, do we right. need in this franchise? And, oh, man, it looks like Alfred Molina's been reverse-aged really badly. And, you know, like, are they going to do anything to improve on Far From Home? And, you know, I felt like as soon as things started happening, I was like, this is so well-paced. Like, the fact that they'd collected all of the villains in the basement of the Sanctum Centaurum and decided that they were going to go a different way really early in the film, I was like, that's not what the movie's about. What's it going to be about? I don't know. But now I'm interested. And then, like, I mean, I'm on the record with how I feel about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, but I was delighted when he came into the room. Yeah, he's great. Tobey Maguire, oh my gosh. You know, I see Tobey Maguire movies all the time, but not new ones. Like, when was the last no, time I saw a new one? Is, he's practically retired. Yeah. Like, you know, I just watched Pleasantville not that long ago, so it doesn't occur to me how long it's been since I saw him. And he's, like, my age. I forget that, that he's, like, you know, he is a man now, and I yeah, liked it he when... He was kind of old to play Spider-Man 20 years ago. Yeah, I liked it when Doc Ock was like, oh, you're all grown up, Peter. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, like... That was the most touching moment because, like, I liked that they resolved Doc Ock almost immediately. Oh, like, so good! Because you know he, like, he's of the Spider-Man villains. Like him and Flint Marco is just such a weird um, inclusion because, like, yeah, I guess he knows who Spider-Man is, but also like he doesn't contribute anything to the plot. He's not really a villain of Spider-Man. The whole the whole conflict in that movie is sort of a misunderstanding about who's responsible for Uncle Ben's death or who's you know, it's it's all, it's a uh, it's like basically the only reason he's in either of these Spider-Man movies is because the Sandman effect looks really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that's that's just what they wanted to do. Like, ah, oh, you can have Thomas Aiden Church without actually having to have him, you know, be there for most of it except for his voice, and then it, it looks neat. But like, he has no motivation or impact on the plot really, and he's not really a villain. Whereas uh, Doc Ock also doesn't start as a villain, 
like he's you know spider-man's friend so uh getting him back to that quickly is like oh that's it's a good move and it's also the most touching moment of him reconnecting with uh with toby and getting to have that mo- like because you know he dies dies in sort of a heroic self-sacrifice at the end of spider-man 2 so getting to getting to undo both his and andrew garfield spider-man's failures at the uh, end oh. of their their little um moments all the re- all the redemption moments in this, you know, inclusive of just redeeming, you know, because Spider-Man Homecoming is one of our favorite movies in the whole MCU and Spider-Man Far, Far From Home, such a disappointment by comparison. And so this felt like a redemption for that. But like, you know, again, I don't love Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in any way, shape or form. But I so appreciated the homage when MJ falls from the Statue of Liberty and the shot is almost exactly the shot of uh, Gwen falling to her death in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. And uh, then Peter can't get to her. And so Andrew Garfield gets to go get her. I was like literally crying during that scene. That's Mm. the one that like broke me when I was watching the film where I was like so appreciative of like, you know, you thought it was just going to be the villains who were going to get redeemed by having this experience. And no, like the Spider-Men get redemption as well. Mm-hmm. But also brotherhood. Yeah. Like it was the same feeling. And that was one of our concerns too, is like, is this going to feel fresh when Into the Spider-Verse did it so well? And I couldn't believe it felt respectful to me. Like, like that, that it didn't, it didn't somehow it is going to coexist with that film really effectively. But like, I liked that it had that same, like Spider-Man is an independent hero. Now he knows that he's not alone because there are other Spider-Men in the multiverse, but then also, well, that Peter Parker is always an only child, but now there are a bunch of him, but like, you know, not identical. So they all have their own, their own Spider-Man stuff going on. Yes. Uh, the other thing, though, I really liked when Electro was like, you help people, oh, yeah. you're, you're from Queens. Like, I thought you were going to be black. Like, you know, they've they've said Tom Holland's contract is up. We're developing more Spider-Man movies, but they're being really cryptic. You know, it would be great if Miles Morales shows up and, and that they've given us a hint that that's in their plans. Yeah. Well, it's something I've always found, like, I, I don't understand what the specific... Uh licensing behind all the spider-man stuff is because it is so it's so weird to see uh like sony branching off into shit like like venom and morbius oh and, my uh, god uh craven the hunter like all, all of these real ancillary sort of uh uh characters when there are so many other spider type characters that like that we haven't gotten a spider gwen or spider woman or Miles Morales, like, aside aside from, like, so many of them existing in uh, Spider-Verse, um, I, I'm, I, I'm surprised it's taken them so long to get to any of them. Uh, oh, it's because they are um, obsessed with Jared Leto in a way that makes no sense. You know, so just weird. like where they're like, That's another hey, thing. the Joker, let's make that 7,000 times. You know what? I'd like to cast Jared Leto in a disturbing superhero film. What it's, else have we got? Uh, it's, I think it's so funny how anal Marvel is about all their continuity stuff, but having to deal with Sony, that Sony is like, ah, nah, nah, this shit's not going to make any sense. Good luck. Because, like, <laughs> the Venom thing at the, at the end of Venom 2, where it's like, oh, he's getting ported into the MCU. This must be related to the multiverse somehow. And then finding out the justification for that here, it's like, wait, what? Venom doesn't know who Spider-Man is. Venom doesn't know what Spider-Man is, let alone who Peter Parker is and that he's Spider-Man. Why is he getting uh, magicked into this universe? And then for the only continuation of that to be another post credit scene where it's him getting sent back. It's, uh, it's so weird, but also very funny. But also to see the Morbius trailer before this where there's Spider-Man graffiti in the shots in that movie suggesting spider-man exists in that world but also morbius references venom and people are like oh i i know who venom is so how is he in a world where people know about venom and spider-man it's uh it's a it's a very funny mess and uh, i don't want to see 
Morbius. We'll probably wind up seeing that. On, I just uh, realized we're gonna have to for our podcast on home video, as we did with uh, we did with uh, Venom oh. Two. But, um, yeah, that looks like a that looks like a fucking turd. I don't want to see that. Oh man! But also, Adrian Toomes Vulture is in that. So uh, I don't know. Very oh, odd. Yeah. Very, Aww. Very odd uh, uh, situation they have going there. Well, but, didn't they um, bring Michael Keaton back as Batman in the DCEU too? He's going to be oh, Batman sorry. in the Flash. I'm confused or, because I was thinking of Jared Leto being in that movie with him, like in this in the DCEU. But now they're in the Sony Marvel universe together. I mean, it is still weird because he is playing Bruce Wayne in the Flash movie, even though. He, that that Batman would have a very different Joker, um, so I don't know. It's uh yeah no it's all it's all a mess, but it's fun. Um, mm-hmm. That's something I kind of liked about this was how comic booky it felt in 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 certain way. Where like uh like uh, something you glossed over was Daredevil. Um, oh God, I totally forgot there were so many other things that the person explaining to Peter Parker that oh yeah your legal troubles are fine I solved them is uh, Matt Murdock Daredevil from the daredevil tv show played by charlie cox and uh that he does does a neat little daredevil thing of catching a a brick hurled through the window at peter parker um just to be like hey daredevil exists which was also cool coming off the heels of that week's uh uh episode of hawkeye where the, the reveal that i've seen coming but wanted to you know see for sure was that vincent d'onofrio is back as the kingpin Mm. um who is also a classic Spider-Man villain, along with a Daredevil villain. So, uh, you know, just a lot of a lot of fun stuff going on there. But just the idea of like, oh, Spider-Man needs a lawyer. It's the superhero lawyer, Daredevil. Like that's the, it's it's hokey, but it's the kind of stuff I like from a comic book. And uh, it, it was fun fun to see that happen here, even if it is, um, <laughs> you know, kind of unnecessary to the plot overall. But. You just used the word that we've been wanting to use about an MCU property for a while and haven't been fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. This was fun. Hawkeye is fun. Like, finally, I'm having fun with these things that, you know, I expect to have fun with. And it, it restored my enthusiasm for Doctor Strange and for Thor Love and Thunder, which I've really been looking forward yeah. to, but also feeling increasingly worried about as we slogged through like most of the last year's worth of content, which was just exposition city and kind of boring. But also my enthusiasm for Spider-Man, which as we, as you said, was the uh, homecomings, one of our favorite in the MCU. Mm -hmm. And it's felt like, like I was so certain that this was going to be it going completely off the rails and was so shocked that it was like the exact opposite of that, Mm -hmm. of it the whole thing being about getting it back on the rails mm-hmm. that like it starts like where it starts off Peter Parker's perspective is so warped after the last few movies where he's you know globe trotting and going to space and shit that uh when he doesn't get into MIT instead of being like oh I have connections with a company that's like literally been funding MIT like you know mm-hmm. in civil war that whole uh, augmented reality uh, memory machine thing that Tony's showing off. He's showing that at MIT. Mm-hmm. He's funding everyone at MIT. He ostensibly creates Mysterio at MIT. And uh, uh, to, instead of like using those connections to be like, hey, get me and my friends, you know, you're responsible for this controversy as much as I am. Get me into MIT. Or, you know, as Dr. Strange says, why not just go and ask like instead his first impulse is can i use magic to undo this like for that to be the starting point and then for at the end it's like no he doesn't have any connections doesn't have any friends doesn't have any money he's just poor peter parker sewing his own spider-man suit in a shitty little apartment yeah well i i appreciated that too because when dr strange was like wait you didn't even try calling them first i was like well that hadn't occurred to me either if I knew a wizard, I might have gone to him first in this universe that they've established. But yeah, like dialing him back to your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. My only concern is like because they left a nugget of venom there, you know. Well, I'm certain there. That's. I hope they're not going to. 
do something it's, dumb like the original Venom. I mean, I'm certain that's setting up Black Suit Spider-Man, but is also the most insane way to do it of just being <laughs> like, let's teleport Venom in for two minutes between two post-credit scenes to leave a little glob of Venom behind, like... Of, of all, I mean, it's, you know, it's Sony's movie, so they want it to be tied to Sony Venom and not just like, well, you know, yeah, MCU is going to have its own symbiote come from space or whatever, but it is, it's insane. Yeah. Um, but I think also they've set up, they've left uh, Peter in a good place for a black suit story of like him being alone and figuring out how to be Spider-Man on his own, mm-hmm. that would be a, a, a good time for him to have sort of a darker darker moment of, you know, be, being an actual vigilante and not not the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man because he doesn't have a guy in a chair or a rich mm-hmm. guy funding him or a girlfriend to come home to or anything. Um, but also, man, that suit that he makes at the end, one of the best Spider-Man suits yet. It's a... Uh, it's. I mean, it was a little confusing in the whole three Spider-Man scene. How similar um, the uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man suits look. So of course they rip off their masks immediately. Mm-hmm. But uh, it like that last one, the shiny red and blue one, super bright, super shiny, really, really awesome Spider-Man suit. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing more of it. No, I just was. I was delighted all the way through. It, it felt like. It felt like the best of what we've liked from the MCU where if we wanted to pick it apart, I'm sure we could find things to pick apart, but I don't want to. I'm so happy. Well, that's the other thing is that like for the whole thing to revolve around magic, it's like, yeah, oh, it doesn't make sense, but, it, but it's also magic. So it's like, you can't really argue the logic of magic. So why bother? Yeah. But, and it's also, you know, a fun thing of, <laughs> the other Spider-Men coming to this universe and then learning that, oh yeah, magic is real and that's why all of this is happening. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was, and they don't know who the Avengers are. They think it's weird that this guy's been to space to fight an alien. You know, like, it, it the MCU yeah, has come re- a long really way from their on worlds. The, uh, dumping on the Andrew Garfield uh, movies a lot throughout it of like... Oh, so good. How, how lame his villains are in comparison. Like... Well, he said that he thinks he's lame, and they're yeah. like, and then Tobey Maguire is like, "That's not the kind of self talk you want to be using." <laughs> Just charming, everything about it, satisfying. You know, even yeah, like it was a lot of fan service, but the kind I like, where I feel right. like, yeah, I have been served. I am a fan. I have paid to see all million of your movies. Thank you. No f- fun interplay between the villains and fun interplay between the Spider Mans. And I thought the de-aging looked good on the big screen. Um, there wasn't a well, moment I mean, where I was. Alfred Molina was the only one. I don't. I. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't do anything to Willem Dafoe, just because like, that's what Willem Dafoe. You know, you'd, you'd have to go back a lot further than twenty years to find a, a much different looking Willem Dafoe. No, um, I think they cleaned him up a little bit. Maybe, a little bit. I, like maybe I don't. I don't know. He he kind of just looks like that. Um, they, like, Alfred Molina was the only one that was noticeable on, and it's really just the hair, like, uh, that's all, that's always the the trickiest sticking point of making realistic-looking CG hair, uh, but, and also he's in it the least, so it it wasn't a huge issue. I'd say the, the, the weirdest thing was, um, like, Sandman's inclusion at all, just because it's, you know, like I said, a super tangential character throughout (laughs) and Lizard, even though it's like, yeah, he was the main villain of that first Andrew Garfield one, but he's just kind of cracking wise through the whole thing, and uh, what's that guy's name? Reese Iphens. Is that how you say it? Mm, I think so. (laughs) One of those Welsh names? Yeah. Um, Because, like, when it's just, like, Lizard mode, first he's silent for a long time, and then he's uh, cracking wise. It's like, did they just get someone else to do the voice? But then when they turn him back human, it's like, no, it's him. I guess yep. that was him the whole time. Just very weird. Very weird uh, all around. Um, but I guess that, you know, like, if anything, I would have liked a uh, Paul Giamatti cameo as Rhino. Like, that would have been uh, a fun capper just because really a very stupid uh, character all around. But it would have been fun. Well, they referenced him. They do reference it. But it's also like, uh, you know, 
And it, it also is very funny how much they hand wave Jamie Foxx being cool now that like <laughs> him getting transported to this universe was like Steve Urkel going in the in the uh, Stefan Urkel uh, transformation booth and c- coming out a super hot buff guy instead of balding weird nerd turned blue. The energy's just different. Well, I was thinking like I'm sorry. Though they that- do constantly reference that he fell into a vat of uh, uh, mutant eels. Yeah, they like that. That they had so much fun with the things they had fun with. I think if there's anything that I felt a little disappointed by, it's I'm really gonna miss Marissa Tomei. You know, yeah. with, without Tony Stark as uh, a counterpart, because I thought their chemistry was so good. I really like uh, Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr. as an on-screen duo. Um, you know, they hadn't. They didn't seem to know what to do with her as much. You know, what she's like a do-gooder who's not that into happy, and that's and Peter's kind of grown up enough. He doesn't really need her as a parent figure. So instead of making her the version of Aunt May that we got in Into the Spider-Verse, where she has like the whole underground lair behind her house, I like that one. Um, they killed her off, restored some of the Uncle Ben and origin stories stuff that they skipped with Spider-Man. And I thought that was interesting. Like, it seemed like that was one of the redemption arcs where at some point they regretted not having given him the origin and decided this is a retcon that we can fit in really organically. Sorry, May, you are going to be sacrificed in order for him to have this character growth. Um, but I also felt a little bummed that, I mean, I think that, um, Andrew Garfield's redemption moment catching MJ was really good. And I know that it would have kind of cluttered up the story that they were telling to have uh, his Gwen come through just before her death, the way that all the villains were able to come through just before their death, uh, mm. you know, or to yeah, have... I, I... Well, like I was half expecting to see like a Spider Gwen or like you know a, a a an additional Spider person at some point to yeah. spice things up. But I'm kind of glad they just stuck to those. Like it, it it would get too cluttered, especially if it's a wholly new. If it's like, like yeah, you know, uh, either I'm oh I'm just a normal person and I'm here too, or I'm the superhero version of someone like like you know, just uh stick to the because that's what works so well about this is that at most you get the cursory explanation of like, ah, oh, I'm whatever villain. This is what I was all about. And otherwise it's just like, take for granted that people saw the other Spider-Man movies, you know? Well, also like none of the maze come through. MJ from Tobey Maguire's doesn't come through. And, you know, where I really enjoyed everything they did, what they did was bring seven more dudes into this movie uh, and kill off one of the two women with agency that are part of the core cast. So Mm. that by the end we had MJ standing and uh, literally every other character of substance in the film was a guy. And, you know, one of the things that we loved so much about homecoming was the diversity of the cast and authenticity of the high school look of all of them. And, you know, I felt like I loved this so much. I'm disappointed that with all of the careful thought that they put into everything, there wasn't room for, like, even though I think Sally Field is kind of grating, you know, she's the kind of actor who definitely would have signed on to, like, make an appearance somewhere here or, um, like, who's the other? Oh, Tobey Maguire's Aunt May's so old in those movies that she's probably not with us anymore yeah i don't i don't think she's yeah but you know kirsten dunst is around like she could have popped her head in you know like i think i i don't think that it was needed for the story but i think that it's the kind of thing that um i'm sorry that there was nobody to say oh hey there's a massive imbalance here especially by the end or like a spider gwen or a spider woman or, you know, like we wanted the classic Toby and Andrew 
you know, and I don't think for the story they needed more than what they did. I'm just sorry that it created such a massive disparity in a film that was otherwise so thoughtful. Like, where's Pepper? You know, she could have made an appearance if Happy was there. But mm-hmm. I think I think that they could have done it if they'd thought about it. And the fact that they didn't, that MJ was the last woman standing by the end, suggests to me that just nobody thought about it, which is kind of a bummer. Well, I also wonder about the, like, the story structure, like what the inciting incident was if it was always peter going being like ah can you do a spell for me just because uh dr strange looks like shit so much in that initial scene where it's like man this is the worst fucking wig i have ever seen in a marvel movie like and you know a lot of people wear wigs in these movies but his wig in that uh scene where the sanctum sanctorum is all full of snow and like is you know making the initial plan with spider-man it looks so bad that I, I couldn't help but think this is a reshoot and something else kicked this off originally but like uh uh yeah i don't i don't know like that's the thing like i i agree with you but also i i don't know what um what they could have done that would have would have maintained the because i was like one of the other things that was making me apprehensive about this movie hearing it was like three hours long and it's like man this is going to be an overstuffed mess and uh that it didn't feel like a mess and that the pacing didn't feel bad um was very surprising that it didn't feel three hours long Mm -hmm. uh and i I think it would be hard to make any changes that wouldn't make it feel make the length feel apparent well i was surprised that they bothered to have a mute male and female duo shoveling snow and doing peon work inside the sanctum santorum and that that wasn't aquafina and shang chi like i thought maybe wong would have recruited them yeah, I, I, and that, and that whole, would that be whole them. sequence is very odd yeah something like this like just the whole look of it it it, it all looks and feels weirdly cheap i i did not it, it it felt out of place like this this is patching some holes that they they needed fixed for something well, but I, that's, like, an easy place. Like, if that had been Aquafina and she'd cracked wise with, like, who's this guy, you know, or something, like, and then had, like, Pepper pick Happy up someplace and be like, Happy, you're so sad right now. Um, I, I don't know. There, I think it would have been easy to throw a couple of recognizable women who have one line into the film without negatively affecting the story at all but restoring the feeling of more of a gender balance which i would have appreciated because i really liked the story i wouldn't mess with the story okay that was something else um you were saying how it uh feels like respectful of spider-verse like it reminded me of uh what i read about homecoming how uh the writers same two dudes um for that you know, since it was so hot on hot on the heels of the the last Spider-Man reboot of uh, the Amazing Spider-Man movies, that they didn't they intentionally didn't want to do any of the same stuff and like were like purposefully writing against the last two Spider-Man series of trying to subvert as much stuff as possible from those, and this felt kind of similar where it's like, you know there's so much risk of it just being another Spider-Verse thing that instead of, you know, instead of being about all the different Spider-Man, it's about all the different villains. And instead of about fighting the villains, it's about saving the, like, you know, purposefully doing something very different with this concept than uh, the other, you know, dimension splitting Spider-Man movies doing. Well, I really, you know, like the mirror dimension, um, I really didn't care for it in Doctor Strange. It felt too much like Inception to me. But here, especially when they're on that train that's sort of going through space for no reason, Mm -hmm. it felt like a nod to Spider-Verse visually. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that sequence where they're in the mirror dimension, especially when Peter's like, oh, this is just geometry. And then he like does some Mm -hmm. quick math and he's like, you know, it's more powerful than magic math. Yeah, that was a good nerd moment and a good spider moment. You know, this is like the first MCU movie I actively wished I could have seen with my kids. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like Spider-Verse, 
I've watched with all the kids that are in my life, and they've all really enjoyed it. Like, oh my gosh, that moment. I mean, how old was our nephew when we watched that with him? Three, maybe? Probably. Where he's like, he puts his little hand in mine, and he's just like, like, so into it that he's like clinging on to me. He's like so into it when we were watching it. It was so great to share that with him. And my stepkids are not into the MCU, which is a bummer for me because I wish that they would love it. Um, but this is the first one where I've been like, not just me talking them into it. I think they, that my stepson in particular would really enjoy this film and the mathy moments and, you know, the jokes and like, it was fun in a really, it felt accessible. And I, I know that he's seen at least one of the older Spider-Men. And so I, I think that he would, I think he would have fun with it. I'm looking forward to being able to watch it again at home. I am glad I saw it in the theater. We almost like we were really on the fence. Our friends who were supposed to go with us backed out the day before because of the current COVID climate and their own, you know, concerns for their well-being. And um, we questioned whether or not we should go because it seemed unwise, but I just really wanted to. And so aside from gobbling down my snacks and sipping my Coke, uh, I kept my mask on through the whole thing and, mm. you know, I, I felt comfortable. Nobody was coughing in the theater and, you know, they didn't ask us for any proof of vaccination or anything on the way in. But, you know, I'm so glad I didn't wait and have it spoiled for me. I'm so glad that I got to see it on the big screen with the big sound system. As good as my home theater setup is now, and it's pretty great. Like, it's just not the same to see it for the first time. And I was so bummed that I wasn't seeing it with you. I'm, I mean, it was really special to accidentally find out after the fact that we had been seeing it at the same time. Mm. Um, and it's actually kind of comforting to me to find out that you didn't have the boisterous first night crowd in America. But, um, you know, I was trying to explain to Alex how satisfying it was to see the first of the new Star Wars trilogy when you see the Millennium Falcon for the first time mm. or when Han and Chewie walk onto it for the first time in a crowd full of fans where people just went nuts. Like, you know, whatever feelings you were having of your own childhood nostalgia in those moments, just amplified by the crowd experience. One of the rare times where I really felt like seeing it with a crowd of strangers enhanced my experience mm -hmm. and oh my god like when andrew garfield walked through that portal i went yay and the theater mm -hmm. went <laughs> and then when it happened again with toby mcguire i went yay and everybody <laughs> in the theater was like yay <laughs> you know it was like i could tell from the reaction that they were enjoying it but like it wasn't like it it wasn't like it could have been in america right Brits are quiet by comparison. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I hope we made the right choice by going. It's in the past now, but I really am glad we went. I had a great time. Yeah. You have any final thoughts? One of the things that I really liked about um, Spider-Verse was Gwen reopening the multiverse at the very end to tell us that he still gets to be connected to the other spider beings that he's met. Yeah. And, you know... I hope that there's something like that in the multiverse that they're on their way into with the MCU. Well, I mean, not not that I expect him to get to team up with... I wouldn't even want him to team up with Andrew and Toby again. That was like the kind of fan service that I want in a single serving. Right. But the other spider people coming across... this being a recurring thing, you know? No. But like, it, like you know... Andrew Garfield seems to be very opposed to the whole franchise structure and toby mcguire's like we said basically retired from acting yeah no but i mean like you know if there was to be spider woman spider gwen you know like in introducing all the other spider people without it requiring there to suddenly be like this surge of radioactive spiders in queens um you know i think that i i, I would like to see him get to have that sense of community be more than something that he's just like remembering like if he's going to be all alone right now and not have his girlfriend his best friend or his aunt or his mentor or anybody 
Like, it's well, too bad that is, he doesn't have another spider person to talk to, too. The spell erased the memory of Peter Parker, but not of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So Spider-Man can still get out there and, you know, like, and also, uh, we didn't get into it because it is very, like, it was literally a trailer, the thing for uh, Doctor Strange at mm-hmm. the very end. But um, the girl in the uh, denim jacket that he's cavorting around with, that's America Chavez. And uh, her power, like, she has the usual, I think they would call them, like, like, you know, she has, like, the super speed, super strength, uh, flight sort of powers, but also can punch uh, star-shaped portals through the multiverse. So um, that, I think, you know, that's certainly going to tie into whatever story they're doing there, but also is the sort of character who could reopen gates to the uh, different spider people. Mm-hmm. That's my final thought. Do you have one? I really like them getting back to brass tacks at the end of this of poor Spider-Man making his own suit, living on his own, doing the Spider-Man thing, and also setting up Kingpin in uh, the Hawkeye show and reintroducing Daredevil in this. Like, one, I think it's very funny that one of the most exciting things they're doing is like, hey, those Netflix shows we canceled, maybe they're back. Like, I don't care about Iron Fist or Punisher or Luke Cage particularly, but if they found a way to bring back Daredevil and Jessica Jones, I would really like that. And uh, I think Spider-Man, like a Spider-Man Daredevil sort of team-up movie would be a lot of fun of, like, that being um, how, you know, that, like, Kingpin being the villain... And it being like, you know, normal sort of organized crime, you know, slightly heightened organized crime stuff. The sort of stuff that Daredevil usually deals with. Having that be Spider-Man's reintroduction would be super cool. Hmm. Well, join us next time when we will be finishing up the first season of Hawkeye. Oh, it feels so good to have fresh content to work with again because now... There's a whole bunch of stuff we haven't done any Phase 2 stuff with, so that means this will keep us busy yeah. through the beginning of the year and the introduction of the next new stuff. Yeah. Good. Bye. Bye!